Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm your host, Dave Mastovich. Our guest today is Don Haddad of Citizens Bank. But first, let's hit the bullseye. Four generations are currently working side by side and sometimes even five. The silent generation, boomers, Gen X, millennials, all make assumptions about each other. Some of the more common ones are young employees are more excited about work, learning new skills and staying fit. Older people work at a slower pace, are more exhausted and less likely to explore, and can be threatened by technology. Professors Linda Grattan and Andrew Scott of the London Business School would tell you those assumptions are wrong. Grattan and Scott interviewed 10,000 people and based their book, The 100-Year Life, Living and Working in an Age of Longevity, on the following six key takeaways that they learned from talking to 10,000 people. Number one, it's not just the young who invest in new skills. The study showed there's no difference between those that are in their 30s, 40s, or even 60s. The majority of people keep maintaining skills, and this does not significantly decline with age. Number two, it is not just the young who are positive and excited by their work. According to the study, those feeling positive about their work was a constant at just over 50% regardless of age. Just as striking is the proportion of people of all ages who don't feel positive about their work. Number three, older people are working harder to keep fit. About half of those under 45 years old actively try to keep fit rising continuously across the ages with a peak of 71% for those over 70. You heard that right. 71% of those over 70 years old are continuously trying to keep fit. Number four, older people are not more exhausted. More people under the age of 45, 43%, said they were exhausted than those over 45, 35%. The least exhausted are those over the age of 60. Number five, older people don't want to slow down. More than half of those aged 46 to 60 want to slow down, while only 39% of the people over 60 want to slow down, and less than 20% of the people over 70 say they want to slow down. Less than 20% of the people over 70 say they want to slow down. Number six, exploring is not just for the young. The study found no significant age difference in people's excitement about exploring their options and learning new things. The major takeaways, if you want to hit the bullseye as a leader, Get rid of those tired, old assumptions about workers, regardless of age. The No BS Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash no BS. Try a book like The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. You can download it for free today. Go to audibletrial.com slash no BS. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Our guest today is Don Haddad, Senior Vice President of Citizens Bank. He has more than 25 years of senior leadership experience in the banking industry. He was past president of the Pittsburgh chapters of the Association for Corporate Growth and also the Commercial Finance Association. One of his current passions is developing the next generation of leaders. Don told us about growing up on the north side, uh, going to high school at Bellevue, and then deciding to go to IUP, 
starting out as an accounting major, shifting to finance, and he feels how important accounting and finance together are, regardless of which one's the major, which one's the minor. A hugely diverse career, Rockwell International, a Fortune 500 company, um, a leveraged buyout company, Mellon Bank, National Bank of Canada, and now Citizens. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate some of your comments you just made there. and A couple of interesting ones I'll throw at it after you hear. Um, I deal with the same technology every day that the 20-something intern or new employee deals with. Uh, if I don't continue to learn, if I don't continue to evolve, I'm dead uh, as an employee in this in this society. So it's pretty amazing. We may not get the uh, clicks and get the all the things on the iPhones as quick as they do, but we have to deal with the same technology that they have to learn every day at work. Um, as far as the being in shape part, I'm probably a little bit of an addict in that one. I got to compete with the young people, and I work long hours. And the better shape I am in better I'm going to do at work. I'm not going to be tired. I'm going to last longer. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be more fit. And as, as, as my kids learn on vacation, at the end of the day, when they're laying down tired, I'm going to sit there and smile and say, let's keep going. Yep. Yep. It is, uh, it is interesting. And now with all the generations in the workplace, those stereotypes really, really, really need to go away. So Dawn, um, you talked about your career and you gave some great advice and I recapped some of it. But you were talking about how important it is for young people to understand that they're coming out with way more technologically savvy, uh, probably more skilled, more opportunity as a teenager and early 20s to do internships and do things like that. But you were talking about how important it is to work to get a seat at the table and the ways you do that in episode one. Let's just touch on that a little bit again. Yeah, it's, um, that's how we learn. That's when you. I mean, these kids have a great opportunity. I mean, they laugh at me when I go back and talk about old stories. When you know, when you had an old statistic class in college, you spent the whole class figuring out what the what the answer to the equation was. Uh, these days, they hit five buttons on the computer and it comes up. Mm-hmm. And but you know, these days they spend more time on what the answer means. And we probably spent that time when I was getting my master's about what what the answer means because unfortunately we spent way too much time at school figuring out how to get through the equations. Mm-hmm. So these these kids have great skills. Uh, they do. But then the question is, how do you take that answer, no matter what it is, if you're doing some kind of this kind of cash flow analysis or whatever, how does that apply? to your job every day. And then more importantly, how that fits into the big picture. Um, you know, at, at the bank, you know, we're dealing with some of the, uh, you know, biggest, nicest, uh, you know, greatest customers here in Western Pennsylvania. And we're making decisions on their financing, whether they're, they're looking to do acquisitions or whatever. And it's great to have the answer, but how do you apply the answer? How do you take that answer and how do you uh, mold that into a solution for the customer. And right now in the banking world, uh, lending is a commodity. It's an absolute commodity. Uh, the question we have to ask ourselves every day is, are we adding value? Uh, do we, when we wake up in the morning, do, are we adding value to our customers? If we're not adding value to our customers, there's no need for them to be our customers. They can go anywhere else and get this commodity. So the key is for the kids is to be involved in that conversation with us about how we look to add value to the customer. 
And when you're looking for a solution, it's very complicated. There's a lot of pieces, a lot of parts. It's just not, hey, here's a $100 million credit facility, go to it. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot tied into how that happens internally, externally. How do you actually uh, make that work? And by getting involved on the ground floor, the, the, the young students, the young, whether an intern or, or a new employee, uh, you know, I used to always sit there and say, you, have to, you know, behold the turtle. He has to stick his neck out to get ahead. And that was always been my saying. So you got to stick your t- neck out a little bit. You got to take some risks. You got to raise your hand. You got to, um, I've always told my kids, you know, when, when, the, when the boss or somebody's looking for somebody to do something, you know, you need to be one step ahead of him and be doing it. And by doing that, that gets you a seat at the table. And so when we go into a higher level conversation, we go into a credit committee, when we go into a, uh, a proposal meeting, we're deciding what our recommendation, what our um, term sheet uh, you know, is going to be for that specific you know, solution for the, the problem at hand, that gives them a seat. And that's where they learn. They learn more about the conversation that takes place. We assume they know how to get to the numbers. We assume they can put the financial statements into the spreadsheets and get the the appropriate numbers. I mean, we're assuming they can do that. The question is now, what do you do with that information? Important. And this part can kind of touch on that a little bit, I'm guessing. We talk on this show, when it comes to messaging, we have to understand both our why, our reason for being, and our customers' why, their reason for buying. We then need to crystallize that into one big idea, one memorable message or theme that makes an emotional impact on our target audiences. So whether it's for you personally or your company, what's the big idea? We have to add value. I mean, we have to, I mean, they come to us with a problem. We have to come back to them with a solution. And a lot of times we have to get out of the box on their individual needs. Every, every company is different. I mean, we are very fortunate in Western PA of the number of third, fourth, fifth generation, family-owned, successful companies in this region. And at Citizens Bank, uh, we have approximately 200 customers in our group, and 180 of those, probably you know, 90% of those are family-run companies. So that, that, that the solution for a family-run company is going to be different from the other 10% of publicly-owned companies that we deal with or private equity companies we deal with. So a lot of it is really coming up with the value-added solution. And the value-added is not only the credit side, it's, it's the entire banking side. So I mean, you have to be very well-versed at coming up with financial solutions. You also be coming up with treasury solutions, foreign exchange solutions, interest rate risk management solutions. Uh, the new sexy product these days in banking is e-payables. Um, so there's a bunch of really, a lot of different areas where we can add tremendous value at Citizens Bank to a company. And it's my job is to sort of quarterback on the customers I'm responsible for all that for that customer. Talk about the customers you are responsible for. Which which market do you target the most? Um, we're, we're, we're in the middle market. And middle market's defined differently all over uh, the country. But our, our initial market starts with revenue of $25 million, and it goes to a half billion dollars. However, there's a lot of companies that we get involved with that have grown larger than that. Uh, some examples locally here uh, that you know that I'm responsible for, and these are some public companies or some bigger private companies, is a, is a Calgon Carbon, uh, a 2-6, an Amco Pittsburgh, 
uh, Warner Ladder. I mean, these companies are have all gotten bigger, and, and these are things that we were involved much smaller, have worked with them, added value, we hope. And we're still there, so we must have added value. Um, and it helped them facilitate, uh, you know, th- through the banking world, their growth and profitability goals. And with that middle market, um, what's the what's the you know unique selling proposition from citizens, and who are your top two competitors? How do you differentiate? Well, obviously, uh, the big blue bank, uh, you know, PNC is uh, is our top competitor. I mean, I think PNC when uh, they acquired uh, National Citibank. Um, I, I, I believe it's probably accurate that at that point in time, it was, it was a close race, but PNC was one, Citizens was two, Nat City was three in the marketplace. Uh, when you put one and three together, uh, it didn't give you two, it gave you probably one and three quarters because you had the first Niagara piece was cut out, and plus some people for various reasons left. But I mean, PNC is probably our largest competitor. I mean, we believe that between uh, PNC and citizens that I don't know, 60, 70 percent of the market in, in our space, the two of us have. And that, that's probably the two pri- you know, that's probably the, the primary competitor that we run against most. A very respected competitor. Uh, we're very good uh, personal friends with them, but uh, there's a lot of deals we work on together. A lot of the larger deals, one of us would be, uh, you know, what we call lead left. The other one would be lead right. Would be code lead arrangers. So there's a there's a there's a fair amount of deals. Some of the ones we talked about earlier, uh, where we work on together. So it's been a good partnership. Uh, you know, we bang heads a lot. We respect the hell out of them, uh, but uh, you know, we don't mind going head to head. Absolutely. And talk about your how messaging impacts what you do. And by messaging, I mean, it could be direct selling. It could be your internal messaging to your team. It could be the actual marketing messaging that goes out to the target market. In, in banking these days, I mean, everybody assumes, and I said earlier, uh, you, know, you know, what we do is a commodity, uh, anybody can, you know, come up with a bat with a proposal letter and deliver a term sheet. You know, the question is, is, is where who adds value and where do you add value? Uh, no matter what companies say, the personal touch is still there. The the you know the CFO, the CEO, the owner of the company wants to know who his banker is. He wants to know who his decision maker is. And even though uh, you know banks have gotten bigger, uh, especially with the family-run companies, they, they want to know who's making the decision, who's holding those purse strings through them. So it's very much a steal. And even though we, we've gone to this different world we live in of computers and high tech, it's still personal touch. Um, any deals that we win, any new customers we have, it is because of the personal touch. And it's a lot of persistence and patience. Um, banking is a big decision. And leaving a bank is a big decision. It's an expensive proposition to move from one bank to another bank. And that is probably one of the biggest decisions a company will ever make. And usually, uh, it is tied to calling, direct calling on the owner, on the CFO. It may be over one, two, five, ten years that you're persistently calling to get an opportunity because you have to wait for that door to open. And you got to be ready when that door opens to jump on that opportunity, and then you got to impress somebody. So talk about that a little bit because I think that some people um, maybe out there aren't fully 
into the fact that we're all selling. I think every employee is involved in selling, every employee is involved in marketing, every employee is involved in HR. And I could get into a whole show about why that's the case with all three. But talk about someone that you're calling on for 10 years and how you might do that in a manner that they still understand that you have the job to do. And right now they're not even thinking about it, but seven years, 10 years from now, they might be. Talk about how you do that. Uh, It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of persistence. Uh, You got to stick to it. Um, I, I guess, uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't take no real well. Um, and it's, it's also how you direct it. You know, I think when I first talk to a company, I don't expect anything other than starting a conversation. And that's how I basically tabled. Um, I, you know, I, I'll, you know, those sitting say, well, we're happy with our bank today. Well, things change. And the, the whole process is, is to start a conversation, to have a, to have a very uh, open dialogue with them, for them to get to know us, the bank, and us individually, us to know them individually, us to know their company. And you really have to make a big investment in that. And that does make a difference. I mean, companies, they're not going to move a bank for a quarter point or an eighth of a point, um, but they do want to know who they're dealing with. It's a long process. Um, you, you know, there's a trust involved. I mean, we, we know from marketing that, you know, you have to have 10 or whatever the number is personal touches before anybody's going to let you in the door. And so, you know, we have to go through that whole process and we have to open that door. We have to open that door very respectfully. Um, a lot of the customers uh, we deal with are um, privately owned companies. And so a lot of times we will, you know, initially walk in the door, be asked to sign a non-disclosure or a confidentiality agreement, which we are more than happy to sign. And that sort of is the first step of open us and sort of like get, letting us come into their house and learn more about them. And then once you get in there, it's all about adding value. You know, if a company opens their door to me, that's an invitation to me to come back to them with some thoughts, whether it's a debt capacity analysis or come back with kind of a, a term sheet or a soft indicative term sheet that says, this is how we view your company. You know, we know how your current uh, provider views you. This is how we view you. And I think something we do at Citizens, which is sort of different from everybody else's, Every year we sit down with each of our customers and we sort of give them a scorecard, sort of sort of sticking our neck out a little bit. This is how we view you. This is how we view your last year. If you were a new customer coming into us today and asking us for our thoughts, here are our thoughts. And, you know, and that really um, drives conversation. And you can only have conversation if you're a trust advisor. Mm-hmm. And just like I talked about earlier, you know, one of the goals of a new employee at a company is to get a seat at the table our goal with our customers, our goal with our prospects is to get a seat at their table, to have a seat with the COO, the CFO, the owner, in a, in a, you know, a good conversation about where the company's going, uh, what are their goals, what are their aspirations, be it growth, be it uh, diversifying ownership, uh, and how we can help them do that. The No BS Marketing Podcast with Dave Mastovich is brought to you by Mass Solutions. Put our three-step No BS process to work for you. Visit MassSolutions.biz today to take your marketing to another level. It's all about bold solutions, No BS. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich. We've been listening and talking with Don Haddad of Citizens Bank, a senior VP. Don, listeners want to know, do you have a tool, an app, blog, book, or even something that's part of your daily or weekly routine that impacts your life 
and might help our listeners? I don't know if I have a real toll, but I, I guess from early on, I always strived no matter what I did, and maybe that's being the oldest child or being the fact that you know both my parents worked was that everything I do, everywhere I went, and I, people still kid me around, my goal is to impress people, and my goal is to leave places better than when I got there. And I don't know if that's a toll, but I, I was never, if you looked at my career, I was never one reaching out and saying, you owe me this, you owe me that, I want to be in this position. I was pulled into those positions. And in my career, there was always, I don't want to make this sound like there was like coattails I hung on to, but there was people that I went into work every morning and I tried to impress upon them um, that I have value, that I add value, that I'm a good asset for the company. And I think people saw that in how I conducted myself at work, how I conducted myself out of work, how I conducted myself with my family. And when a position opened up, I was pulled into that position. And I think those were the key things. And I, I tell uh, my kids, I tell the, the, when I go up to IUP and I talk to the students, I tell them every day you walk out, whether it's in a classroom, your goal is to impress somebody. Your, your goal is to, when you walk out of there, somebody says, you know, that's a good asset. That's a good person. That's somebody we need to have around. That's an asset we need to have in our organization. And that's sort of how I built my career. Let's look at that for a second. Someone's 23 years old, they get a job at Citizens, and maybe they're two levels below you, maybe three or maybe one, whatever. Give, give them two or three things that would make someone that doesn't report directly to you get on your radar. Um, a couple, I guess, very simple things. One, I, I tell all the kids that you know, my door's open. And if they don't walk in my office once a day, once a week with questions and just have a dialogue about what's going on in the world that we work in, that's their loss, not mine. Um, I, I think I, I, you know, the kids that are the students that are inquisitive, the employees that are inquisitive, the employees that ask intelligent questions about things they're looking at, um, communication is beyond key. Um, and I know you've, you've just talked about, uh, you know, the marketing, the uh, human resource side. Uh, one of the things I tell all the kids that we market every day from the day we're born. When you're born and you want your parents' attention, you do something, you cry, you smile, you laugh, you giggle, you're, you're competing for people's attention. When you're in the workforce and there's a position up, whether it could be your best friend you're sitting next to, you're competing for my attention, you're, looking, you're competing for my approval, uh, you're competing to get that nod to that next position, that next promotion, that next raise, that higher bonus. And we compete every day. We market every day. And the question is, do you do it with grace? Do you do it uh, in, in a whining way? And also that really reflects when people see how you do that. I find that to be an interesting dynamic because it is. it does seem to be a struggle. And it might have been for us and we just don't remember. Probably was. But it seems to be a struggle to get that even close to right because when we hire a younger person or have a new intern, there's often a struggle of, of getting that from them to, to see where they're coming from. And, and so I just, just to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's always a challenge. Um, 
again, we're dealing with di- different generations. I, 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 I guess uh, my kids are of the age of the generation, and they tell me I don't get them either. So uh, I, I don't get that. But I think, uh, like anything else, we have to add value to them. I mean, they're looking. They're looking to uh, this. The generation we're in now, uh, they ask a question. They want. They need immediate feedback. I mean, that's why they uh, text. Uh, that's why they're not real big on emails. I mean, because that text, when you send a text, you're looking for immediate feedback. An email, you can get feedback in a couple of hours. And if you leave a message on the phone, who knows when you get an answer back. Um, but I think they're, always, they're, they're looking for pretty immediate feedback. They're looking for positive or negative uh, pretty quickly. And, and I think that's what we got, we got to give them. I, I think we got to keep them challenged. I mean, th- they want to grow quickly. Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, you know, we may have not done them justice, uh, my generation. You know, most of these kids come from nice houses and nice households with nice TVs and nice cars and computers and iPads and iPhones. And now they're out there trying to figure out how they're going to duplicate this. And they figured out the hard way. It's not easy. It's not cheap. Um, so a lot of their goals are how fast I'm going to attain that same lifestyle I've been used to. When I went to college, there was no doubt in my mind that it, when I graduated, my lifestyle was probably better than the one I grew up in, uh, you know, with six kids in blue collar and north side of Pittsburgh. Um, the kids these days aren't truly there. I mean, a lot of them, that's why there's a lot still living at home because they can't afford to come out and, and duplicate that lifestyle. And so... Uh, they are striving to get there quickly. I mean, they want to. They want to get up. They want you know the ones that are uh, motivated. I mean, their their goal is how fast can I get to that level of you know success where I can sustain my lifestyle, where I can you know. And they're a lot of them are motivated to get there quickly. And the last thing we want to do is get in their way. Uh, we want to try to you know put as much fertilizer and as much water and as much sunlight on them as we can to help them go there. Sometimes we have to give them a little bit of a break, put a little bit of breaks on them because they really need to understand the whole picture, just not the, the one they're striving for. That's Don Haddad, uh, senior vice president at Citizens Bank. So Don, before the show we were talking, was there anything I didn't ask you you thought I might ask you? God, that's a tough one. Um, not really. I think the, I think the, the last advice would be just to have the strong command of the basics. I mean, when we go through, you know, whether it's accounting or finance or whatever profession, you need to have you, you, those roots got to be strong, and you got to do whatever you can to make those roots as strong as possible. And that's what you're going to build your career upon. And if your roots aren't strong, and sometimes that takes a little patience. Uh, if your roots aren't strong, then you're going to be bouncing around and you're going to be building on a, on a weak foundation. And it's not a sturdy foundation. So the best thing is to have, and, and I, I think your education, your patience in your first couple of jobs, and to really build that foundation strong is key to whatever you're going to do in the future. Don, thanks for being on the No BS Marketing Show. Thank you, Dave. This was great. Thank you. To our listeners, thanks for joining us. Visit MassSolutions.biz for show notes plus additional marketing and messaging resources. Sign up for light reading. You'll receive valuable strategies every week to improve your marketing and transform your message. It really is light intended to be read in two minutes or less, and it just might trigger bright ideas for you. Again, sign up by going to MassSolutions.biz. And remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions. No BS.